the customization here is endless. And me being, of course, the control freak um, who likes to pre-plan everything, I think this is the option out of everything we talked about that gives you the most control uh, over how your child or grandchild is provided for and taken care of after you're gone. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Glad to have you back on Complete Estate Planning. I'm Ben George. He is Nick Rosenbauer. He's an estate planning attorney, and he's the owner owner of the Rosenbauer Law Office, which you'll find in Westchester, Ohio. And you'll find him online, wherever you are, at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule a call with Nick there, and plus, get every podcast that we do is archived right there on the website. And today, we're talking about having children with special needs. How do you plan when you have a child with special needs? Nick, I'm sure you know this is not something that everybody's going to have to deal with in their life, but for those that have a special needs kid, this is something they're very curious and probably concerned about how to handle this. A hundred percent. So it is, it's not something that everyone has to deal with, thankfully, but for those who do have to deal with it is extremely important. I guess the good news, bad news, the good news is there's a lot of good things that you can do, and we have tools to set things up the right way. Uh, The bad news is if you screw it up, um, things can be, you know, there's a lot to lose here. So it's kind of a high risk, high reward, uh, depending on if you do it right or wrong. And actually, interestingly enough, Ben, my first attorney job uh, when I graduated in law school uh, and I only worked here, I was only an attorney here for about four months uh, before I got into estate planning. Uh, I actually did Social Security Disability Law. That was my very first oh, okay. uh, job as an attorney. And interestingly enough, I never thought I had any desire to do it. I always wanted to do estate planning. And this was just an attorney job while I was looking for my estate planning job. Turns out, that it has given me a lot of great insight and experience to help out the families that we serve who have children, grandchildren, or maybe some other beneficiary with special needs. So I guess, not to get religious, but the man upstairs had me in that job doing disability, even though I, I did not enjoy it, uh, and I thought it was, you know, not I wanted to do estate planning, and that wasn't estate planning. I'm uh, pretty sure, looking back, the man upstairs started me off there for a reason to give me a little bit of insight into the the ins and outs of of how the you know disability and special needs world works. That's great, and I know it gives you a different view and perspective on life too, as well. So, um, one that I'm looking to to hear more and learn more about from you today on this episode of the podcast. So, again, you know, planning for a child with special needs, just I guess. For those that maybe aren't familiar, and I guess most people listening to this and 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 really found this conversation and wanted to get into you know the details of it, probably understand what a special needs child is. But for those that are listening and just kind of following along on the course of this podcast and everywhere we go, maybe a little background on what that actually is. Sure. So the 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 term special needs uh, from an estate planning perspective. So in my world, um, we're referring to someone 
who is unable or you know, we have a risk uh, that they will not be able to completely care for and provide for themselves for a reason other than age. Okay, obviously my two-year-old can't take care of and provide for himself, but that's because he's two. Okay, so we're usually talking about some sort of a developmental disability, um, you know, mental impairments, physical impairments, sometimes a traumatic injury, even if it's not, uh, you know, sometimes people have situations where um, there wasn't a, you know, I guess a, you know, a developmental issue at birth, but, you know, someone ha- gets in a horrible car accident and they don't fully recover, um, you know, something, something like that. Um, so, again, some sort of developmental disability or disability in the future, even if it's not developmental. And usually the estate planning conversation revolves around um, this person either receiving government disability benefits or looking at the f- possibility of them getting government disability benefits in the future. Okay, okay. so that's the big, con- and we'll get into the details in a minute, but that's the big concern here. Someone with some sort of mental or physical developmental issue or disability, and we ha- are looking at government disability benefits or we're already receiving or eligible for government disability benefits. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so to go into a, a little more detail about you know, what options you have here, if, if this is a situation you're in, um, I'm sure there's there's probably more than one option right for you, but what 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 are you usually working with your clients and, and what, what options are they usually deciding between? To understand the options, we have to first understand the tightrope that we are walking. Okay. Okay. Um, from the financial standpoint, a lot of the government disability benefits, there's two main programs. One of them is needs-based program. Okay. So there are financial requirements on how much money you have and how much income you have. So they're usually needs-based. And the big problem is if you have too much money, you're considered too rich and you're no longer eligible to receive your government benefits. So theoretically, getting an inheritance from someone makes them too rich and they lose their housing, they could lose their monthly stipend, and most importantly, Ben, they could lose their health insurance um, when they're disabled and not able to provide for themselves. Okay, so that's the tightrope we're walking. We don't want to step on that landmine. Okay. And the government only allows certain exceptions, how the money is held, what it can and can't be used for, who controls it, et cetera. So that's pretty much what we're, uh, what we're tippy-toeing around, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And any inheritance plan you look at really needs to be drawn up specifically with that possibility of governmental benefits in mind and to comply with those rules so that we don't, instead of trying to leave someone an inheritance, we actually cost them their monthly benefit and kick them off their health insurance. So that's what we're trying not to do. Okay. Yeah. So there's a number of different options to get back to your question on how to do it. The old school option, and you know, a number of years ago, this was really the only option, was disinherit that child or grandchild. Okay. Let's say I have three kids and my youngest child is disabled. Instead of doing a third to each of the kids, maybe my oldest child I would give two-thirds to, and I would go to my son and say, you need to promise 
that you will hold on to your younger brother or sister's third of the money and not spend it and hold on to it. And if they ever need help, you pay for things and you help them. Okay. Okay. That was the old school way to do it. It's not great. I'm sure, Ben, you can think of the reasons why that doesn't go so well. Um, Obviously, they could keep the money for themselves because it's legally theirs. They could manage it poorly. And going back to our last episode, they could put all of their younger brother's money in cryptocurrency and forget (laughs) the password, right? So lose all the money. Um, Also, since it's in the name of someone else, any problem you get into puts someone else's money at risk. So if that child gets divorced, half of their brother's money, which is legally theirs, could get split up and lost in the divorce. Or... You know, if they have money issues, they declare bankruptcy, they get sued after causing an accident. Someone else's money is at risk because of something that they did. Also, what if that other brother dies before their disabled person? Where's the money go then? We have to find another caretaker. And so you just kick the can down the road. So I don't love this at all. I actually despise this. Um, but years ago, that was the only option. Just cut them out, give the money to someone else, and say, you need to promise me you'll take care of the other person. But again, that's tough. You, yeah, you can see all the risks there. One of the options, which I don't, hmm, these types of organizations do good work, but it's probably not the best option. They have these third party trusts or these pooled trusts. Okay, so think of it basically like an organization, like a charitable organization that will hold on to the money and will use money from their pooled account um, for, you know, to take care of the child or grandchild, the disabled person. Okay, so it's like you give it to an organization who does this type of work. So it sounds great, right? They handle everything. Of course, the backside of that is when the disabled person dies, typically all the remaining money that wasn't spent to take care of that person, usually part of the rule is the charity keeps the rest of the money to go help other people, which is not a bad thing. Okay, it's a good cause, but if it's your money and it's your child and your child's gone and they don't need all that money, you can't have your money go back to your other children. They keep it. Now, the flip side of that usually is if you're if they run out of your money they'll take other money okay so they'll guarantee that uh, your child or grandchild is taken care of financially so if you don't have enough a lot of times they'll pull other money from their you know from their account to take care of it but if you have extra money left over they keep it so it's like a, a donation of what's ever left if that makes sense right okay I'm a control freak, obviously, if, if you couldn't have <laughs> picked up on that by now, and I like to plan everything the way I want to. So I would want more control than that. So a special needs trust, which is probably our best tool, that's the next way to go about this. So you can set money up uh, in such a way that your trustee, so your money administrator, can use the money that you leave for that disabled person. And basically, it's in addition to or it supplements what the government will provide. So the government, you know, disability benefits. So it's an add-on. But without getting too complicated in the rules, 
makes it so that they are not ineligible and they don't lose their government benefits. Okay, so it's a way to have your cake and eat it too. It's the best option out there in almost every case. Unlimited amount, Ben. You can put $100 million into a special needs trust for someone and they will still be eligible for their government benefits. It does not matter. Okay. Um, 100% protected. And you decide what happens to any unused or remaining money when the disabled person passes away. Okay, so you get to set up level two of the inheritance. So if uh, something happened to my son, he was disabled, I left all the money to him, I have the ability to say, when my son dies, if there's any money left over, I want all that money to revert to the grandkids, for example, or to my other three children. So you have 100% control over it. Now, you'll notice you're going to have to pick someone to be a long-term money manager uh, for this disabled person. So you got to think long and hard about that. Um, but if we can come up with someone that we trust, this is a great option. If you want to get really specific about this, uh, sometimes, apart from just setting aside money, Ben, some of my clients want a specific item or specific asset to be held for uh, for this person, okay. okay. I think a perfect example would be a house. Yeah. Let's say I have. A, I, I always want to make sure that my disabled son has a place to live, a roof over his head. I don't want him to live in uh, an apartment or government housing. And and what if what if he needs something on the first floor and they only have a second floor? So I can go out and say uh, I have a condo or I have a house and I want it to be held forever so that my son always has a place to live and I want to set aside some money to make sure that property taxes are paid and utilities are paid so I can set up almost like a long-term maintenance fund to make sure that my son has a place to live he doesn't have to move uh, maybe there's always money if he'll need a car to get him around um, and then let's say he's in a wheelchair, then you may need a special type of vehicle, right, that he has room to get him in and out of, okay? You can't have a little Toyota Corolla um, because, you know, they have a lot of those vans and, and, and large vehicles with ramps, mm -hmm. um, and you'll need room, you know, to get someone in and out in a wheelchair. So you may need to have the ability to do that. So um, it's a good idea to do that, and sometimes... What if they can't live on their own? Okay, you may need to be able to set aside some money to allow someone else to live there and watch over them and take care of them. Okay, so again, the customization here is endless. And me being, of course, the control freak um, who likes to pre-plan everything, I think this is the option out of everything we talked about that gives you the most control uh, over how your child or grandchild is provided for and taken care of after you're gone. All right, guys, I'd like to take a second to uh, pause here and thank today's sponsor for a Complete Estate Planning Podcast. Today's episode, financial future is at the forefront of everyone's mind, especially when it comes to retirement. But what investment will give you a legacy that withstands the test of time? While investments in real estate have proven their stability, averaging returns of about 8%, 
An investment with equity and help will not only give you the best security for your financial future, but an even better return, averaging between 8 and 12%, obtaining both cash flow while leaving a legacy as well. Now, what if your investment helped not only you as the investor, but also hardworking American families in the process? At Equity and Help, they make the process easy by locating properties and finding the perfect family for a home that they might not otherwise have had a chance to own. That's investing with a purpose and turning a profit. Interested? Call your philanthropic investor, a consultant from Equity and Help at 844-552-8828 today or visit equityandhelp.com slash podcast to learn more. Well, there's a whole lot to think about with this, Nick. I mean, there's there's a lot of considerations um, for, for parents of special needs children. And, and this is, I think, great information. I think a good starting point for people that hadn't really looked at it and don't understand what their options are. I think this kind of lays out a lot of what they can uh, can discuss. But you know, do you have that direct experience working with, with families like this in your practice? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we do it all the time. Um, worked with families all the time on a number of different circumstances. And, and, and the way to start um, for our listeners out there that may have a concern um, like this Think about what they'll need after you're gone. Because obviously while you're here, you may be providing care. You may be helping. Maybe it's a little bit of help. Maybe it's a lot of help. I'm not sure. Obviously it depends on severity and how much help they need. But when you're gone, what help do they need? Who's going to provide that help? And how are we going to pay for it? And then, you know, if you can close your eyes and map out, here's what they're going to need, we can figure out how to make it happen, how to get it done. Okay, so again, it's it's tough, and, and sometimes the options are endless, so sometimes that can be a good thing. You can get exactly what you want. The flip side of that is sometimes the options are endless. It can be very overwhelming. But the, the, the thing to look at, and most of these people who I talk to, they know their child. They know their grandchild. They know, you know what their special needs are and how they need to be taken care of. So we just need to figure out the best way to get it done. Um, and then if we want a little a bonus one here, if we want to add on another one, Ohio, and I think most states have these. It's a federal thing, and, and most states are adopting their own version of what is known as an ABLE account. Now, Ohio calls it a stable account. I'm sure there's some fancy acronym for it that I I knew at the time when it came out, and then you know the acronym wasn't very clever, so I guess I didn't remember it. Um, but anyway, it is an account that can be used for specific purposes to help take care of a disabled person. Um, and you know you can put a good amount of money into it, tens of thousands of dollars. Now you can't put five million in. But you can put a lot of money into this account, and it works very similar to those health savings account or flexible savings accounts, men, if you're familiar with those. They're these accounts that you see people have where they can only be used to buy you know, specific medical things or pay for doctor's visits. It works in that way. So the money's not counted against them, but it's like an operating account that multiple people can give money to 
and you can use it to pay for certain types of bills and certain types of things for the care for the disabled person. It's good for estate planning purposes when someone's gone, but anyone who has a special needs beneficiary, if you're in Ohio, you got to get one of these stable accounts. They're amazing. They're wonderful. And I'm sure most states have their version of them. They may not call them stable accounts. Ohio decided to add that to the acronym, but look into those. Um, So in addition to estate planning, depending on how much money you're leaving, it's a good idea for managing the care uh, while someone is alive. But yeah, there's a, you know, basically there's a million different options out there with a a well-crafted special needs trust. Some would say too many options, um, but as long as we can come up with the needs and understand what's going to have to happen after you're gone, there's ways we can build it. Great stuff, Nick, as always. Some great information. And if you want to learn more, the best way to do that is visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. There you'll be able to schedule a uh, call with Nick. There's a button right on the front of the website, so you won't miss that. And it's the best way to sit down and start working through these things if you haven't already. But hopefully this does help you out. And if you know someone with a special needs child, please feel free to share this episode with them. Hopefully it will help them out as well. And uh, that's the whole uh, goal for this podcast is to help educate people and and make it easier for you to, uh, to do your estate planning. So, Nick, uh, great stuff as always. I do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know a little bit of a a touchy topic, but for those listeners out there that have a situation like this, we know how important it is. So be careful with this. Um, Do not, you know, do do not skim on this, especially because, you know, uh, costing someone their government disability benefits could be a huge burden, especially that health insurance. Um, So even if you're a grandparent and you're planning on leaving a small amount, talk to an expert before you do this um, because it could have unintended consequences. But for those of you out there, know that there are good options. You just need to be very careful about it. So again, give us a call. Um, Go to CincinnatiEstatePlan.com, which is our website. There's a button right there. Schedule a quick call with me. Be more than happy to answer any questions. Make sure you get taken care of. Thank you, Nick, and thank you for listening to this episode of Complete Estate Planning. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you again on the next show. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.